how is this not a gay love story? You're absolutely right. It is a fucking date. I asked myself several times during this movie. I'm like, wait, does Barbara want to be her or does Barbara want to be with her? Because it's all over the place. That is every gayest conundrum. (laughs) I'm Chris. I'm Amy. And you're at the movies with the madams. Amy, it is finally time. (laughs) You sound like you're a serial killer who's just waiting to murder your next victim. Oh yeah, I'm out for blood today. I've been waiting for this one. We've both been waiting for this one for about a year and a half-ish. I don't know if I've been looking forward to shitting on this movie or just pretending the plot doesn't exist. I would like to watch the movie, but not see the movie. Is that your way of saying you would like to see Gal Gadot, but not actually experience the atrocity, the dumpster fire that is today's choice of Wonder Woman 1984? Yes, pretty much. Okay. We did consider actually just calling this episode, Fuck You, Patty Jenkins, instead of Wonder Woman 84. (laughs) We figured you'd all know. Yeah, I can't understand what happened. So this is actually one of the movies that helped to push us to transition away from the Marvelous Madams to the Madams, because, man, did we need to talk about this. Did we need somebody (laughs) to hear our rant? Yeah, we were trying to see if anyone from this movie was in any of the Marvel shows or movies or something so that we could cover it as a Marvel-ish movie. Yes. I would have taken background extras. (laughs) I would have taken a dog. Is that the same dog? Check the dog IMDb. Have we done that yet? I don't actually remember any dogs in any MCU movies. Well, we've got uh, Cat then. Flurkin. There you go. Gus. (laughs) So we're going to discuss the plot of this movie, such as it is, in this bedtime story that a drunk dad would make up for a five-year-old. Princess Diana must stop a madman from destroying the world with wishes, all while getting that D and fighting a woman who's invisible because she wears glasses. That about sum it up? I don't like to admit it, but yes. This is my greatest hate watch. (laughs) No, for me, Uncharted was my greatest hate watch, because in this movie, at least there's something good to look at. For me. For you. And for me, the one thing that's good to look at has no goddamn business being in this movie. I know. You know, Chris Pine, I'm sure he's a really nice guy. Yeah, he he gives every appearance of being so. Sure. But this movie made me resent his existence. I understand. I do. I truly, truly do. As well as Miss Godot and Mr. Pine, this movie... For some reason, it also stars Kristen Wiig and uh, Pedro Pascal. Kristen Wiig should have been the main antagonist with a better script. Yeah, we're, we're going we're gonna to cover all of this. Mm-hmm. The movie is directed by Patty Jenkins. And, you know, we could start a separate conspiracy podcast 
just to try and figure out what the fuck happened to Patty Jenkins. I'm telling you, it's in the water. Yeah, if you guys don't know what Amy's talking about, she is referring to a discussion we had in our August Tea with the Madams episode. So if you want to hear that, Mm -hmm. go become a patron. Links in the show notes. You know, and besides that, I think that she's a great director. Clearly, she did first Wonder Woman and it was great. But I do not think she should be writing a word. Uh, She also wrote the script. Yes, she did. She is one of the writers. And I, I do not understand how any woman who has lived in the world ever <laughs> could have written the script for this film. Maybe she had a brain transplant. I mean, it's possible to have a brain injury and not realize it. It can happen. Or she's been replaced by a reptilian. Who knows? Maybe. Or maybe DC or and WB combined are going and banging everyone's head. That's why everyone's going crazy over there. So this movie is my number one cinematic disappointment of all time. I don't mean like just sequels, just in general. A movie that I was really excited for that Mm -hmm. shat the bed so hard. Like harder than Amber Heard. Yeah, Amber Heard shat the bed and threw fireworks at it. Oh, don't even, don't even start me with the fireworks. (laughs) I can't. (laughs) So like everyone else, we both watched this movie while in quarantine. Mm -hmm. It was released on HBO Max. If I ever meet Gal Gadot, you and I will have very different reactions there. Sure. I will immediately demand... $250 cash from her, valuing my time at $100 an hour, because I will never get this two and a half hours of my life back. Okay. And I will take those $250 from you and give it to her, just because that's it. I don't know. I won't have a brain. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't quite sure where that was going. I was a little concerned. (laughs) I do have to be slightly grateful, though, because this movie is now responsible for the greatest IMDb review title I have ever seen in my life. Okay. Quote, so bad, I almost walked out of my own house. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. Yeah, that is accurate. That is (laughs) entirely accurate. You know, it wasn't that it was a few weeks ago that I saw a post on Twitter, WB announcing that, oh, finally on Blu-ray. I'm like, really? Does every Blu-ray copy of Wonder Woman 84 come with a free bottle of liquor? Because that's the only way to get through this movie. There is another way. You just put it on mute. Just watch the people. And, you know, some of you may have noticed that we didn't really discuss Wonder Woman as the landmark film that it was. Because of the existence of this thing. Yeah, I don't understand. That movie was, like I said, a feminist dream come true. And then we get this. It ruined everything. It completely tarnishes yeah. the first movie. Yeah, it's it stained it. And it's tie-dye stained. It's fucking tie-dye stained <laughs> because the 80s threw up all over this movie like something out of Problem Child 2 on the Tilt-A-Whirl. 
Yeah, and I don't quite understand. Okay, you want to do an 80s movie, you want to pay homage to all that 80s pop culture and all of that. Sure. They even do that in the first, say, I don't know, 20 minutes of the movie. And you get the vibe that, yes, they're doing this overly exaggerated, the overly exaggerated stunts, the wire work. You know, it's not as realistic as we're used to in present day superhero movies. There is this unbelievability to it, like like Xena, you know, those kind of stunts. But it goes with the territory, which is fine. And then somehow they change their tune. They have that cliched over the top action stuff there, but they're also trying to be serious. So I don't understand how, what are, what were they trying to convey? What was the vibe they were going for? Yeah, I totally agree. But I do have to take issue with one thing you said there. You had mentioned that the, the first 20 minutes of the movie is all that 80 stuff. <laughs> Actually, I think you're forgetting. The first 20 minutes of this movie is a cold open that serves absolutely no purpose whatsoever. In Themyscira with young Diana once again. But it's a good sequence. But it has no bearing on the movie whatsoever and it's very long it is very long but it was fun and i think i enjoyed it because i just wanted to be there i wanted to stay there yeah and i think that's the only reason they had that cold open was to somehow keep the amazons in there keep the mascara in there somehow and it doesn't fit it's for very forced right and i think they wanted to bring robin wright and connie nielsen they just wanted to bring them back in some way. So that's why they did this. Yeah. But the kid was cute. Oh, yeah. And it's the same little girl from the first. And she actually did yeah. most of her own stunts because she ended up being better than her stunt double. That's amazing. Yeah. She, yeah. She's an adorable kid. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's deal with the elephant in the room first. Which one? The pink one or the purple one? <laughs> the Israeli one. How about that? Okay. As we discussed, A few weeks ago, Gal Gadot was perfect in the first movie. However, Mm -hmm. she is a non-entity in this one because she is not believable as a regular person, as as a human out in the world. Look at her. That's it. You see her walking down the street. Forget the movie. You see her walking down the street. She's not believable as a human because she's just Gal Gadot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about her walking down the damn street. I do like that Diana and Etta stayed friends. That's really sweet. We yes. see we see old mm-hmm. Etta in one of the uh, the pictures, right? And I do also think it's lovely that Diana went to see Steve Trevor's family. Mm-hmm. Very kind, but that's where any joy ends. <laughs> when I saw that fucking shrine. 60 plus years later, on my first watch of this movie, I said, oh boy, mm-hmm. bit too far. Yes. And she needs therapy. Okay. I am going to, for the sake of everyone, going to try to keep my decibel level down here. That people... And for mine, please. Yes. Yes, for you too. Thank you. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Okay. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> The idea that, especially almost 40 years ago, Diana Prince could sit at an outdoor restaurant table by herself 
and not be hit on by at least 10 men passing by is laughable. To be fair, they showed us only a few seconds of it. They didn't show us the entire meal. And she does get hit on a lot. I feel like uh, I feel like Tom Hanks in a league of their own at right now, where he's trying not to yell at his right fielder. <laughs> I'm just about to lose it. Yeah, you're getting redder by the minute. Yes, I am. I'm I'm a bit concerned about your <laughs> blood pressure right now. So, after sixty years, this woman, this woman who could stop traffic wearing a bag, it True. is alone. Seriously. And so ironically, just pining away (laughs) over Steve fucking Trevor. No, no. She should be carrying a stick and beating men with it everywhere she goes. And you know why we only see a few seconds of the meal, lady? Oh, because the waiter comes and takes the extra plate settings away. This never happens. This is not a thing. No, it doesn't. This is movie nonsense. I hate it when they do that. This is not an episode of Frasier. This is what I mean. Are we funny? Like you said, are we funny or are we serious? And I love Chris Pine, but 63 years when you look like her and you have goddamn superpowers? Are you okay? She is acting like he just died last week. That didn't answer my question. I'm incensed. That is what I am. Clearly, yes. I agree with you. I agree that 63 years being alone is ridiculous, and especially with someone who looks like her. I don't know how to explain this, but in the movie, they do a pretty decent job of showing that she's just not interested and all the sleazy come-ons that she's getting all the time. She just brushes it off, like, not interested, thank you. We see that a lot. Yeah, but the problem is she's not interested in it because you're the only joy I've ever had or even asked for. Yeah. Can I get a bucket? Can you give me a minute so I can get a bucket because I'm going to vomit? <laughs> I think I need to give you some ice along with that. Put that around your neck. You know, just, just, just take it easy. God. Yeah, that is ridiculous. That is stupid. The least she could do is have a fling or a series of flings. Or, I don't know, take a fucking page out of the Peggy Carter handbook and move the fuck on and have a life. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Peggy did her due diligence. She looked with Howard for a while, but at some point she said, I, he's gone and I have needs. Yes, I agree. That's the thing with this because. The first half of this movie had so much potential. Okay, she's alone. She she didn't want to be with any other man besides Steve and all of that. Okay, she meets Barbara and clearly the two of them have chemistry. And they go out to have a meal and it looks like a fucking date. Okay. Diana tells Barbara that like... I haven't laughed like this in ages. Like, you make me laugh since so long, and you're so personable, and blah, blah, blah. I'm so glad you said this. So glad. I'm like, is this me? Am I projecting? How could you possibly be projecting? I, I wasn't sure. I'm like, is my, <laughs> as Amy would call it, my straight brain, like, misconstruing this or something? Okay. So let's talk about Barbara here. This is one of the worst characters 
I've ever seen. Barbara Minerva. Okay, comics, name, fine, whatever. I have a confession to make. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> not, not what you think, trust me. So, Barbara Minerva is her name, and we saw the entire movie. And then, I was wondering, because her origin story in this movie is so ridiculous, I wanted to look up Barbara's origin story as per the comics, so that I could have something to compare it to. And the brain that I have, I googled Barbara Walters' origin story. <laughs> Little bit different. Uh-huh. <laughs> this name, it just had me thinking of uh, Minerva Mink from Animaniacs. Because I am so much a child okay. of the 90s. <laughs> Barbara Minerva is not a character. She is a caricature. Mm-hmm. Yes, she is. We're dropping papers because we're a nerd? Really? That's what we're doing here? I was waiting to see the pocket protector and waiting for her to take a retainer out of her mouth. I was just about to say that. <laughs> I was just about to say the pocket protector. Like, is Steve Urkel her lab partner? <laughs> I just imagine this giant whiteboard in the writer's room with a checklist of tropes and stereotypes and placing bets on how many they could squeeze into this movie when it came to Barbara. Mm -hmm. Right. And okay, if you want to do that, you want to be tropey, we end up getting a meet-cute between Diana and Barbara. Yeah. Yeah, Barbara in her glasses and her baggy clothes so that we know she's a frumpy nerd despite that the super hot Kristen wig is in those clothes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then the two of them, when they meet, instantly Barbara is enamored by Diana because, come on, Diana. Yeah. How is this not a gay love story? You're absolutely right. It is a fucking date. I asked myself yes. several times during this movie, I'm like, wait, does Barbara want to be her or does Barbara want to be with her? Because it's all over the place. That is every gay's conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> at least for the women i don't know about the guys okay so let's let's pick this apart a little bit the whole barbara like looking up to diana thing she even says mm -hmm. to her like she wants to be her when she grows up this is a casting problem mm -hmm. here because Kristen wig is 11 years older than gal Gadot. really yes wow okay they are 48 and 37 in 2020 Okay. Yeah. Wow. These interactions are so awkward because Barbara acts like a 12-year-old for no apparent reason. She's in love all the time. Oh my God, grow up. <laughs> and that's probably the reason for her, I don't know, really. I mean, she's so immature and she's so insecure that that ends up becoming her origin story, her, her villain origin story. She's like an incel. Yeah. Who's a woman. Yeah. And who thinks the only reason people aren't interested in her is because she doesn't look good. Whereas there was no physical transformation when people started, you know, giving her all that attention. Till of course, she went a bit nuts with the, with the cheetah and all that. But Amy, what are you talking about? There is a transformation. Did you not notice her magical leggings? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. 
Jesus. And you're totally right. The mixed messages go beyond anything queer. It's so muddled if just in terms of women in general. Like, okay, so this scene with the guy, the drunk guy accosting Barbara, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense to me because like you said, all right, so they're billing her as like Rachel Lee Cook and she's all that, you know? She can't be attractive because she has glasses. Mm -hmm. But here they objectify her just so Diana can save her. Yes. And I want to talk about this saving. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Now, you have not watched the Twilight movies. I have not. But you've read the books? No, I have not. Okay. God bless your soul. For those of you who have either read the books or watched the movie, you know in the first book when Edward and Bella meet for the first time or come face to face rather for the first time is when Edward saves Bella from a car crash and he literally holds the two cars apart with his super vampire strength to protect Bella. And they have this moment. In addition to that, of course, we have Fifty Shades of Grey, which I read the first couple of chapters, and I wanted to shoot myself after that, was the scene when Anastasia stupidly decides to walk into a street and almost gets crushed by a car, but Christian saves her. And they have this moment where Christian is behind her and holding her, and he says some creepy shit, which is what he always does. Anyways, this scene reminded me so much of that, where Barbara is being attacked, Diana saves her, and Barbara just falls into her arms. Yeah, it is absolutely coming across as romantic. Yes, these are tropes. They're all tropes. And Diana is bi, canonically. Now, there is another way they could have taken this if they didn't want to do any kind of queer angle, which, well, I'm confused as to whether or not they even realized they were doing it, if they were that tone deaf or that blind. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. What they could have done is go like full on single white female with it, with her wanting to be Diana or dare I say somehow a better movie like fucking Edward Nygma in Batman Forever when he wanted to become Bruce Wayne and even like got his own mole. Jim Carrey got a got a mole <laughs> for his face in the same spot as Val Kilmer. Like, okay. No matter what, if they went the queer angle or if they went the psychological thriller angle, this movie should have been about Barbara and Diana. Yes. Yes, it should have. We didn't need Pedro Pascal playing a fucking con man in this. Granted, he puts in a lot of energy in this. Oh my God, does he? Does he ever? Okay, so let's talk about him for a minute. So I would have been okay with Pedro Pascal being in the movie on two conditions. One, he had a much smaller role. Mm -hmm. Two, Barbara and Diana eventually settle their differences and come together to take him down. Mm -hmm. Those are the conditions I would have been fine with uh, Maxwell Lord or some other decent character to show up. Instead, what we get is two women fighting with each other and taking sides with a guy. So tell me if I'm wrong, but to me, Pedro Pascal, who I enjoy, who I think is great, 
he looks mm-hmm. like a Hispanic Jeremy Renner in this movie. I didn't see that. <laughs> it's this hair. I don't know. They just, he didn't quite look like himself. Yeah, the hair. Why Why are they trying to change his hair color? He looked weird. He lo- so did Chris Pine. They dyed yeah. his hair a weird copper color on top too. And at the bottom is his normal salt and pepper. Yeah, which was a problem because it wasn't salt and pepper in the first fucking movie and he's picking up right where he died. Well, heaven could be a stressful place. <laughs> Let's hope not. Jesus, I don't want that to be true. <laughs> Clearly, that's what he implies, right? When he's talking to Diana and telling her, oh, I know I went someplace nice and then here I am. <laughs> Way to sum it up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I give a lot of credit, actually, to Pedro Pascal because he is the only person in this movie. Well, I shouldn't say that. Chris Pine did, too. He understood the assignment. He understood that this character was ridiculous. And he he didn't lean in. He fucking jumped in. Yeah. He gave a thousand percent to this character. He certainly did. And this character did not deserve him. <laughs> Honestly, after watching him in this movie, I was feeling physically drained by just the amount of energy he was expending. Yeah. Yeah. And... I will, if I ever meet him, I will have to thank him someday because it does give me, I'll say once a month, this movie brings me joy. Maybe every four to six weeks because just sometimes <laughs> like at night or in the mid afternoon when my stubborn little monster refuses, outright refuses to come back at the house and I have to either mm-hmm. pick up her 40 pound ass and carry her in or drag her on the leash into the house. When I really don't want to go out there and deal with her, I will open the door and just yell, Alistair! (laughs) (laughs) See, I can't get over. Life is good, but it can be better. Who picked this kid's name? (laughs) Who came up with this? I don't know. With fucking Alistair. What is this? A 17th century British man? What are we doing? (laughs) Okay, I have a question for you. The kid, does he look more Asian than Hispanic? Yes, he looks more Asian. (laughs) Okay, okay. You are not imagining that. And I'm not saying the kid can't look Asian because maybe his mother, I mean, his mother has to be Asian, obviously. Right, yes. I don't know, a little family continuity in a movie would be nice. And so he doesn't just look look like a stray child. Yeah, I I did not know if I was the most racist person in the world (laughs) or something like that. No, the child is clearly Asian. Okay, thank you. So yeah, speaking of this poor child, somebody call social services, please. Because this man is a horrendous parent. He is, till the last moment. And he's just... (laughs) And he's not only a terrible parent, but he's absolutely pathetic. It's so sad the way he desperately needs approval and validation from this like six-year-old child who's clearly just an extension of him. Yes. I think I figured out the theme for the bad guys just now. Yeah. It's just that anyone who has any kind of weakness and insecurity, when they get a taste of power, go, go mad. 
That's basically what they're telling us with this movie. Oh, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Yeah. That's never been done before. It's, that's brand new to me. <laughs> yeah, but Diana also has power, but she's able to retain her sanity, humanity, because she's Diana. Whereas these guys were insecure, nobody schmucks, and that's why they can't handle it. I'm not defending the movie. I'm just telling you what it's telling me, and I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like anything about it either. And <laughs> as far as Maxwell Lord here, at first, you know, I thought the idea that a man would be willing to destroy the entire world because his daddy didn't love him was ridiculous. And then I remember Donald Trump exists. So I guess it can happen. True. So, all right. At this point, we are going to get into this plot here, such as it is. And we're going to jump around a little bit because of the nature of this movie. So bottom line, we're not going to get into the nonsense logistics of how this happens, but Maxwell Lord comes upon a thing that allows him to become the thing that grants wishes. Okay. A drunken bedtime story. Right. So Diana's only wish right away, this woman who is supposed to be so altruistic, her whole mission to save the world, keep everybody safe. Her only wish right away is to bring back Steve Trevor. In her defense, she didn't know it actually worked. Fair. <laughs> and you know what else drives her nuts about Diana? She doesn't have a TV. Did you notice that? Yeah, that's another trope. Yes. Oh, I'm too good for TV. I cannot stand pretentious assholes like this. <laughs> and it's worse because we know that without the TV, sure, she's reading sometimes, but she's basically just sitting there staring out the window thinking about Steve. That's what the movie tells us. Mm -hmm. She does have a lot of books in her home. 60 years. How much can one person read? Says the woman who gets through a book in a day. Not anymore. Because I do this now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Diana's wish that you're right. She doesn't realize that this artifact. And it's all because Maxwell Lord is a failed con man who wants all the oil. Because it's 1984. Right. And later on, as the plot progresses, we realize that this object was created by the god of lies or tricks or something like that it makes perfect sense for maxwell lord former con man to want to be the thing because he's conning everyone by doing that sure by by granting them their wish so diana's wish of course comes true oh man <sighs> the rage the rage <laughs> and Steve Trevor magically appears. Okay, hold on. Let me get my bucket and my towel so that I can clear the sweat off my brow here. Got to gear up again. Here we go. As I said, I love Chris Pine. I have nothing against him. But he has absolutely no business being in this movie at all. And this is the most tone deaf part of the movie, I think, especially written by a woman. He comes in here 
in a different body. All right. So let's right. let's address the Diana portion of this. She just jumps right into bed with this, accepts that it's Steve immediately and jumps into bed with this guy. Mm-hmm. All right, movie. So you're telling me a few things here. Number one, you're telling me, so it wasn't the D all this time? Because this is a different D attached to a different guy. Yeah, it's the soul. Okay, all right. So it, <laughs> it was purely his soul all this time. So are we to believe there have been no other good men in the world since 1921? I mean, if you look at the world right now, you kind of can believe that. I'm married to one. Okay. My friends are married to several. There are plenty of good men in the world since 1921. Mm-hmm. Well, she hasn't given anyone a chance to prove whether they're good or not. She just dismisses them outright. Yeah. So what the movie does not address at all is uh, the fact that Steve, Trevor, steals this random dude's life for the rest of the movie. And two, the fact that they use Chris Pine throughout the movie is a dirty trick and a cop-out because they're acting... Of course. Yeah, because they're acting like he hasn't done that. They gloss over it completely. And this isn't cool, guys, because just flip this around in your mind. Pretend the roles are reversed and Steve is the one finding Diana in another woman's body. Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, can you say rape? Right. Lock yeah. him the fuck up. And there should not be a double standard for this. Yes, I agree. I feel so bad for this guy whose life Steve steals. And I also feel bad for the guy who plays him. This dude doesn't even get a name on IMDb. He is credited as, quote, handsome man. <laughs> I shit you not. <laughs> And Steve Trevor essentially ruined this guy's life because he stole a plane. He went to the White House and attacked all these guards. And he went across to another country, created an international incident without a passport and did God knows what else. How is this guy not in jail? Exactly. The movie doesn't deal with any of that. And neither does Diana. Mm-hmm. All she's thinking about is that D. Yeah. When she looks at him, that's all she's looking at. And Pine does a good job with what he's given because he's so charming. You know, in another movie, Steve trying to figure out the 80s would have been a lot funnier. And it just annoys yes. me here because it shouldn't be in the movie. It shouldn't be in the movie, and they're trying to make it funny, which I understand. They're trying to reverse their roles and all of that. But this movie just made me annoyed with Steve Trevor. Yeah. And all the time. I'll be honest, I did reluctantly laugh a few times with that montage, but that's not because of the movie. That's because of Chris Pine, because he's so charming and he sells it. I laughed at one time. (laughs) Okay. So when. Diana takes him to the museum where you have all these planes. He has the fanny pack on. And when he sees the the jet for the first time, I don't know why they did this, but he's unzipping 
the fanny pack at that time and you can hear the unzipping as he's reacting to watching the jet <laughs> oh that's not even the worst part about the jet we're not even there yet yes i know but that the the sound of that just adding to his reaction to seeing the jet for the first time uh-huh. it was like the cartoon you know boner twang yeah yeah. So yeah. the other huge thing that bugs me about his presence is the question of, easily answered, who is he here for? Obviously, most men are there to see Gal Gadot and because they also maybe are hoping for some girl on girl fighting with Kristen Wiig or mm-hmm. with this movie, uh, there could have been girl on girl action. It was headed that way. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So that tells me the studio brought... Chris Pine back to get women to the theater. And that pisses me off because I would have been thrilled to go see a great movie that pitted two strong women against each other. I didn't need a hot man in it. And I'm sure a lot of other women didn't need a hot man in it. It tells you how little they think of us. Exactly. And also the fact that they think that the movie will not do well without a straight white guy lead tells you so much about how they think things work. That's a really good point too. Do you love true crime, but are looking for something different? It sounds like a sitcom. It does. The The kind of assholes, you should probably leave them alone. Do you like learning about cases so off the wall they can't possibly be true? Her wig is enormous, but it is lifted off her head by a monkey. Do you love history, but want to hear about what they didn't teach you in school? It's just got a almost where you hang your horns sign. (laughs) Do you like laughing awkwardly about cases that are bizarre and a little strange? They'd be able to wield so many knives with all of their little arms. Then we have the podcast for you. Join me, Lindsay. And me, Madison, for Ye Old Crime. Where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. Listen every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime. All right. So Diana is not the only person making a wish, of course. So... Let's mm-hmm. talk about Ms. Barbara. I was just going to say Miss Walters. <laughs> you know what? Barbara Walters would have made a better goddamn wish. She would have tried to do good in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or maybe have her lisp taken away. I don't know. <laughs> so Barbara's wish is, I want to be like Diana. Yes. And that is very, very important. Do you know why, Amy? Because she's hot? Because Diana's not a fucking cat. That's why. Oh, okay. <laughs> Took me a minute. Because <laughs> she's not a fucking cat. Mm-hmm. And this is important to remember. That you only get one wish. And that Barbara's original wish is to just be like Diana. Strong and confident and sexy. Not a right. fucking animal. Right. And she gets that. And then it's Maxwell Lord who says, okay, I can give you that. What else you want by taking something from someone else? Yeah. And I'm going to need another bucket to talk about her and fucking Maxwell Lord. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this benefit gala 
God, do I hate this. Every moment of this. The way it's all framed is so insulting. So Barbara's arc is entirely centered around her validation from men for her body. Mm -hmm. Right. There is a way. And Jesus, Patty Jenkins, how can you not do this? There is a way to show what women would go through in, in terms of objectification without actually objectifying them. Mm -hmm. Barbara is ultimately shown to just be a stupid Barbie doll once she sheds the giant three sizes too big dress and the glasses because she falls for Maxwell Lord's crap so easily. Yeah. She's so desperate for attention that she went along with his bullshit. Yeah. And two. All right. Just as a woman, this version of Pedro Pascal's getting you all hot and bothered? Really? Really? Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that when Maxwell Lord is around and he's being super flirty with Barbara, Diana looks jealous. Yes. Yes, she does. And I don't know if it's just because Gal Gadot is not a very good actress and didn't really know what expression she was making or if it's the script. I don't know. I don't know either. She only has a couple expressions, so it's hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she looks jealous. She almost seems like she wants Maxwell Lord to leave. She does that. She even tells him that. Okay, well, thank you for coming. And it's so weird with this tropey nonsense because they make Barbara look like a total bimbo. And it's like, if you're doing mm -hmm. a trope in the 80s, the bimbo is a bimbo. She's stupid. But this is supposed to be a brilliant scientist. So it's like... Who has God knows how many doctorates. Right. So it's like, what are we trying to say with that? Are we saying that... And there's, like I said, so many mixed messages. We're going to talk about more. Are we saying that a brilliant woman can't have any emotional intelligence a brilliant woman can't also be beautiful like she has to pick one or the other i don't know maybe but even though she does end up becoming quote-unquote beautiful after she becomes like diana she's still extremely smart in fact she uses her superpowers to do more research faster the only difference is she's doing it with better makeup and better clothes yeah yeah, and oh, man, I was just furious on behalf of Kristen Wiig. This leotard they put her in at the gym is pornographic. Okay. Isn't it very cliched 80s kind of showing kind of thing that they show? It's unnecessary. And I would have to disagree because most women, they would wear like a full suit kind of thing where they were like fully covered up. But she's like, it's riding way up the bikini line. You know, mm -hmm. like it looks like she's got mm -hmm. no underwear on beneath it. It's terrible. Okay. All right. No pants. Yeah, I did think it was a bit much. And on top of what I said, oh, the, the idea that a regular woman can't both be beautiful, fulfilled, be great at her job. It's mm -hmm. like they're saying a woman has to have actual superpowers to be all that. Right. But even so, the woman with actual superpowers doesn't have all that. In fact, at the end of the movie, she does say that, like, I can't have it all. I've never heard that before either. No woman has ever said that in her life. <laughs> not on a blog, not in a social media post, not in a text message. No, never. Mm -hmm. 
So as Barbara progresses here, she's running around. She's getting hit on by all these men. The problem is the movie has told us that this is what she wants. Mm-hmm. She likes all the men coming on to her at work before this. So while I want to get behind her beating the shit out of this drunken asshole, I can't because the character is dog shit. And because at the same time, she tells that sweet homeless man that she's friends with to mind your business. Yeah, that's showing us that she's losing her humanity. Well, the problem is, it feels like the movie is saying in order to be empowered, because that's what she becomes, this apex predator. So in order to be empowered, a woman has to be bitchy. I get the point of all these men coming out with their nice guy bullshit, but it doesn't work the way it's supposed to because it's not coming from the right point of view and it's not done in the right context. And, and her reactions are not consistent in any way. Right. And it's also playing into the trope of what men keep saying. Women are bitches. Exactly. So she ends up becoming bitchy when she's more attractive, whereas she was a very nice person when she wasn't attractive, which is ridiculous. The only thing that's different is glasses and makeup and clothes. Yeah, it's she's all that all over again. Mm -hmm. Only it was a little different in that one because we have to remember Rachel Lee Cook had brown hair. That was one of her problems. Oh, yeah. My goodness. Yeah. We were planning to actually cover She's All That for our back to school episode next month, but didn't because we couldn't find the movie. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Mm -hmm. Stick to voice work, Freddie Prince Jr. All right. So that covers Diana and Barbara's wishes. Let's get back to Maxwell Lord. Okay. So here's a question for you mm -hmm. What is even the point of Lord granting all these people? their wishes. It's so convoluted. Okay. You want all the oil to yourself? Why didn't you just wish to own all the goddamn oil? Exactly. That's what I was wondering. Why did he need to become the wish monster? That's what this movie should have been called. Now I want a spinoff called Wish Monster, <laughs> starring Pedro Pascal. Um, it'll be directed probably by Sam Raimi. It's going to be awful. Oh, man. <laughs> but you're totally right. It's like, why did we need to tear up the whole world and turn this movie into a racist geopolitical mess that it's not nearly smart enough to deal with? Right. You wanted to be rich. You wanted to get what you wanted. Just wish for that. And that's the end of that. I couldn't understand why he was trying to be the wish monster till the end of the movie, where he basically ends up saying, why not more? So his logic was basically the, you have three wishes. I wish for a hundred wishes. Yeah. And that doesn't make any friggin' sense because that just flies in the face of thousands of years of wish canon. You can never wish for more wishes. That's like the number one movie rule. Genies, whatever. Anybody grant wishes. You can't ask for more wishes. That's just how it works. Right. So he used his one wish to be able to grant wishes. And he basically took what he wanted in exchange. So essentially he was getting everything he wanted by giving them what they wanted. Okay. So yeah, let's address this. 
the making the wish and then the losing something because we have a major disparity here. Mm -hmm. So for everybody else in the movie, except Diana, Barbara, and Lord, all of those other people, everything is immediate. They get their wish immediately and they lose something immediately. The problem is Mm -hmm. with Diana. It's gradual. Exactly. And with Barbara, it's gradual. Same thing with Lord. It doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And also we have to question how much power these people have over other people with their wishes. So we see one guy who is able to kill his wife because he wishes her dead. Right. Okay. But then we have Alistair, Alistair, who wishes <laughs> for his father's goodness. He's a lot like the little kid in Liar Liar, actually, now that I think about it. But that was definitely not immediate. And at the end, I'm not sure what we're supposed to think. If Alistair's wish won out, or if Maxwell Lord finally came to his senses and his love for his son gave way. That doesn't track for me because he has shown no evidence of loving his son prior to that moment. But it has to be that because if it's not that, then whatever the logic is of the wishes goes completely haywire at the end of the movie because Maxwell says, I rescind my wish. So I don't know. But it has to be that that his love for his son came through. Well, there's something else that bothers me with the whole Lord Alistair thing here. First of all, I don't even know why this man bothers with the kid. He clearly, up until the very last moment of the movie, doesn't give a shit. He gives a shit, but not because he loves him as his son, but because he wants his son's approval. And he he dreams of the fact that his son will one day say, Dad, I'm proud of you. Okay, so we'll get to Diana in a minute with losing Steve. Barbara lost her, her own goodness, her humanity. It took me a while to understand what Maxwell Lord was losing because we're supposed to understand that his health is the most important thing to him because he takes vitamins. (laughs) That's how they telegraph that for us. Yeah. Vitamins. But aside from that, isn't that like a super common trope the most powerful person when they do something super magical they start falling sick and they become weak and the and of course you have the slight trickle of blood from the nose yeah but isn't that just that trope yeah i think so i think that's why somebody at some point was like ah shit uh gonna make this a little clearer anybody have a bottle of vitamins vitamins anybody in your purse <laughs> yep I-, I didn't think too much about it as his health being the most important thing. If anything, he should have lost the kid. See, that's the thing. And see, that's part of the disconnect too, because at the end of the movie, they want us to believe his kid is the most important thing to him. Well, then he should have lost the kid. His kid is the most important thing to him after he goes through this nonsense. Till then he wasn't. All right. So we have the progression problem with Barbara too. It doesn't make any sense at all that she turns into Cheetah. Barbara's the only one who gets an ongoing wish. A limitless saving wish. That's because she chose the right guy to help her. But I also can't understand why Barbara then refuses to renounce her wish. Was she seriously okay with turning into a fucking cheetah? The whole point was that it was more than she bargained for. 
And the whole concept of be careful what you wish for. Like, what are we doing? She did end up renouncing her wish. That's how we see her as human before Maxwell renounces his wish. It took way too long. It took for her to comprehend she was going to destroy all of humanity if she didn't do it. Yes. Not that she didn't want to be a cat for the rest of her life. Yes. Could you imagine the size of that litter box? <laughs> she would have had to commandeer an entire ch children's playground. <laughs> My cat is 13 pounds and you should see the dump she takes. I would prefer not to. God, and if she peed on the side of the sandbox, don't even get me started. <laughs> but if you look at it, Diana's conundrum is the same thing. Sure, she didn't want to be a cat, but she didn't want to give up Steve, even though she knew that her powers were more important for the world. And it was Steve he pushed, who pushed her to essentially go kill himself again. Okay, yes. Yeah, so let's address this now. We talked about this in our Wonder Woman episode, and I was able to be a little bit more objective about it in that movie than you were because you couldn't put the, the sequel out of your mind for this one. You, you couldn't. A bit, yes. And I was, I was trying. So Diana did not realize that Steve was going to go and kill himself. And when he did, she was heartbroken, clearly. Sure. And in this case, he was once again trying to sacrifice himself for the greater good. Whereas she comes across as this stupid, selfish bitch. Yeah, because humanity. Uh-huh. The, wor the world is literally falling apart in front of her. Mm-hmm. If I had the choice to give up a guy in exchange for the ability to fly, I would go for the ability to fly. No question. I'd keep my husband. Okay. I don't need to fly. I'd probably be afraid to fly. It would probably make me queasy and I would afford to be able to do it. And it would be the <laughs> biggest wasted wish in the world. That's true. I got nauseous running a couple of months ago. So I, I could see your face. Yes. I was running because my husband and I got caught in a thunderstorm on our way home. and My phone was <laughs> in my pocket and I, I do not run fast. Everyone. Not by any stretch of the imagination. And I got nauseous running because I was indeed moving too fast. How were you able to drive? Oh, just last weekend. I was in the passenger seat while my sister-in-law was taking a, a slight incline a little too fast. And I was like, whoa there. <laughs> Slow it down. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's pretty well done in the first movie. That whole scene. I was fine with it. Mm -hmm. This time around... On top of her unwillingness to let him go. And, and Steve has to, you know, be the strong man and do it for her. I'll never love again. Bitch, you knew him for a few days. You had sex once. Well, now twice. God. And of course, as soon as she lets him go, she gets her powers back. Because now a woman's not allowed to have both. Yeah. And she says that. She's not allowed to, to be a superhero and be a woman at the same time. Have a man. Nope. Nope. Not allowed. Well, that goes for a lot of superheroes, too. A lot of superheroes have personal lives that suck, except for Superman, because he's Superman. But this is different, because this is, like, inherent to her body. This isn't an instance mm -hmm. of, oh, I can't be with them because they won't be safe. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. This is a woman's right. body. This is taking something away right. from her body. Yeah. yeah. It's disgraceful. It is. And written and directed by a woman. I'm taking your woman card, Patty Jenkins. I'm taking it. <laughs> you are never allowed to do yoga or eat frozen yogurt ever again, Patty Jenkins. Talk about cliches. That's my point. <laughs> I'll punish her with her own medicine. Maybe she can do goat yoga. She deserves it. I hope they shit on her. (laughs) And there's a couple more things on top of this, too. So Diana waiting around for Steve all this time, hiding. The world is her oyster. And she could be doing so much good out there. And I'm like, isn't that supposed to be her mission? When we saw those pictures of Etta and Steve's family, why couldn't we see her? You know, even if like secretly or whatever, why couldn't we see her active in like women's movements through the decades or doing some Mm -hmm. good out there for the world? Maybe they could have had her do a thing like Kingo in Eternals, where, you know, she pretends to be her own grandmother for something like that, just reinventing herself Mm -hmm. every 10 to 15 years in a new place. But she doesn't do that because she was at the Smithsonian in 84. And we also know she's at the Smithsonian in present day whenever justice league happened yeah but i mean she's had 60 years and we just see this woman wasting away pining for a man because that's that's all she can do it's all she's good for right and that is completely not the character we met in the first movie no if you told me diana would be prominent in the suffrage movement or and civil rights or any of these larger movements, I would 100% believe you. Yeah. But after the second movie, kind of makes me feel less bad about me being not active. Because if Diana could be just sitting on her ass reading books, what am I to do? Yeah. And that's not the message we want to send little girls who are watching this movie, you know? No, no. And it's like even worse than Jane Foster in uh, Thor The Dark World, because at least there's a chance Mm -hmm. there, as bad as it is, there's a chance he might come back. Right. Steve Trevor's yeah. fucking dead. That's it. Move on. Exactly. Okay. So now we're going to move on to the category that we created for Uncharted, goofs and nonsense. And we've mostly talked about goofs and nonsense thus far, but these are more specific things. You mean two hours and 30 minutes worth of things? Uh-huh. Okay. Who the hell robs a jewelry store deep inside of a mall? These are the worst criminals I have ever seen. These are capital B bozos. Yeah, exactly. So seeing this and exactly the and how these guys were behaving, they were so inept. It was like a cartoon. So if you're leaning into that and going that cliche, that tropey, that 80s, then do the rest of the movie like that. Yeah. That set the tone for the movie. One of the armed robbers literally yells at a woman to shut up, please. well at least he said please like and what's with using the kid here in this open she's not even a hostage like he's clearly preparing to drop this child for what purpose because he doesn't want to go back to jail and that's going to save him the the kid dangling on the balcony is going to save him yeah so diana shows up and how she knew to show up i have no idea yeah she's like your friendly neighborhood spider-man Except, isn't Diana supposed to be keeping a low profile? Yeah. And 
why did she shush this little girl? Like, oh, don't tell anybody. Everyone just saw you. I don't know. Maybe she's got like special magic makeup on her face that makes her face invisible or something. It makes me wonder if that's why they set this movie in 1984. So there would be no cell phones, no cameras. You, you're, you're seriously telling me nobody has one of those Polaroid cameras around, happened to be walking around in a mall? In a mall? Nah, probably not. I mean, those things were heavy back then. And they were mostly purchased by serial killers because you can't develop that film. <laughs> Polaroid cameras have seen some shit. Mm-hmm. Did you see Maxwell Lord's magazine that he was reading? Yeah, the Oil Economist. Oil Economist magazine. <laughs> I wanted to use it as kindling. <laughs> okay. Let us deal with this jet. So, my husband, I have said this before, and he is not offended by this, everyone. Don't think uh, I'm shitting on him. He, when it comes to movies, he is the lowest common denominator of spectators. Mm -hmm. He never cares about plot holes. He's always willing to let (laughs) shit go. But let me tell Mm you, when Steve Trevor just hops in this plane and flies it he lost his mind of course he did a plane from the 1920s and a fighter jet from the 1980s this guy shouldn't have been able to get in in the first place no and it's very convenient that the jet was fueled up even though it's supposed to be sitting in a museum fueled up ready to go all the way to cairo while taking a detour through fireworks. The fact that this is not the most ridiculous part of this movie is insane. (laughs) Yeah, just because the plane is invisible doesn't mean it's not still made of matter. Right. We do see the silhouette of the plane going through the fireworks and the clouds. Yeah, yeah, but it's so pretty. It is. Now, here's the other thing. So at this point... Diana is actively losing her powers. Mm -hmm. So how the fuck does she turn this plane invisible, which we're told requires more power? Okay, I'm going to say something, but I I want you to promise me one thing before I say that. I make no guarantees. Try. Okay. I want you to not scream. I will do my best. The reason why she was able to make the plane invisible was because of the power of love. (laughs) You know, there are parallels to the back. There are parallels to Back to the Future with this movie. That is not one of them. You leave Huey Lewis out of this. (laughs) And, you know, what I'm talking about there is the progression issue. Like in Back to the Future... Mm -hmm. We all know, if you think about it, even just a little bit, like Michael J. Fox and his siblings, they shouldn't be disappearing in that picture. That's not how it should work. But because that's a great movie, we let it go because it's great with plants and payoffs. It's just cool. So we can suspend disbelief there for a great movie. Not for this schlock. Yeah, the suspension of disbelief for this movie has already stretched thin with Steve coming back and all that bullshit. And of course, you know, the law of attraction on steroids. 
Oh, now we come to a scene that I am just going to let you take because I know, I just know. The caravan chase, Amy. Take it away. Okay. First of all, those kids are the dumbest kids in the world. (laughs) Those kids playing on what is considered a highway over there. Oh, please. And secondly, are these goons stupid? They're literally just shooting their own truck. Yeah. That's it. Mm Mm-hmm. Are these goons like manufactured in a ho- in some kind of factory where they're like, you know, those monkeys that with the symbols, are they manufactured like that? Their only job is shoot. Oh, was this also based on a manga called, was this what all you need is shoot? <laughs> <laughs> and all the ridiculous like f- jumping that she was doing, she was losing powers. How was she able to flip a truck? She couldn't break a lock and she flipped a truck. Yeah, and then it kind of also turns into that terrible Angelina Jolie, James McAvoy movie, Wanted. I've seen the movie, but what are you referring to? Isn't there like weird shit going on with bullets? I don't remember. I feel like there is. No, the one weird shit did happen with the, with the bullet was at the White House. Oh, the White House. When she hit it with a hand. Yeah, you know, I can't fully remember. I could be wrong, but I'm not going to give the movie the benefit of the doubt. How about that? <laughs> yeah, this whole chase thing was ridiculous. I can still excuse them all, but this is in no way keeping a low profile. At all. And how is nobody reporting this? Yeah, I also felt like the movie was saying, well... Brown children are so stupid and they have nothing better to do but just sit and play in an active highway. Yeah, exactly. Why do you need to have kids running on the street to, sh- to have any kind of stakes? I also need to know what you thought of uh, the Indian guy with the dreadlocks. Yes, I was a bit confused over that. Me too. The guy advertises himself to be Mayan, but his name is Patel. Uh-huh. So he's an Indian. Yeah. And he has dreadlocks. And he doesn't look Indian. Yeah, I don't know what that mishmash was all about. I don't know either. Or what they were trying to say with it. Right. Because if anyone was trying to advertise themselves as a Mayan, would not keep, even if he was a con artist, which sure, probably, why not? This entire movie is a con. Why not at least try to change his name to be not so stereotypically Indian? Yeah. So we've both mentioned a number of lines that just stuck out like bleeding raw thumbs. (laughs) There's another one. This might be the worst one for me. When Steve realizes that the only way to stop Maxwell Lord is for everyone in the world to renounce their wish. (sighs) He says to Diana, stopping him might not be enough, Diana. So seriously, wishes have been made. Mm -hmm. How? How can we possibly take this seriously? This is the moment where I was like, did they write this script overnight like Niles and Frazier when they were trying to write a book together in the hotel? (laughs) Is that what happened? So they pulled each other's hair in the process. They made us pull our hair while we were watching this movie. Now, coming back to the White House, please tell me. I would love to know. How the hell does Barbara Minerva know to find Diana at the White House? I was twitching by this point. Yeah, I don't think she was following Diana so much as fo- following where Maxwell was going. And that was 
put on the news that he is going to the White House. Or who knows? Maybe she's maybe she's sniffing people out. <laughs> maybe. I'm surprised they didn't do that. I'm surprised they didn't have her sniff Diana a little bit. Oh, because that would have been too much. <laughs> and then it just kept getting worse. I was like, if they say monkey's paw one more goddamn time, I'm taking a hammer to this television. Yeah. What is this monkey's paw thing? I don't know. Yeah. It's a short story by W.W. Jacobs that like every kid in America reads at some point that they completely ruined. The whole concept of the monkey's paw is the be careful what you wish for. And they just take it and twist it and turn it into something that it's not. Because the okay. script doesn't know what it wants to be. I mean, at every turn, just when you think this movie can't get dumber, it outdoes itself. To what are you referring to specifically? Everything. Everything. <laughs> and, you know, I'm sure there was some half-assed reason Diana gets this new armor at the end of the movie. I don't know what it is. I was so checked out by that point. No idea. Don't care. Yeah, she says it, right? That once she came into this world, she actively went looking for it. And she used it because she was trying to go get to Maxwell Lord and figured she probably needs to fight all of mankind. Now, now here's the real message of the movie, Amy. They, they tell us flat out. You cannot have it all. You can only have the truth. The fuck does that mean? It means don't have hope. Suck it up. It means nothing. Well, nothing is better than my interpretation because that's just depressing. That is the kind of nonsense that a sleazy undergrad philosophy professor tells a bunch of 18-year-old girls to sound smart so they'll sleep with them. <laughs> well, Maxwell Lord's whole shtick is essentially the law of attraction on steroids. So if it's that cliche, then hers is equally cliche. What do two cliches come together and make? This movie. <laughs> and do you know what I never need in a superhero slash comic book film? Or really any, any live action movie that is not made for preschoolers. I don't need a mm -hmm. montage of random people renouncing wishes. <laughs> and I mean, you just asked me, how does the movie keep out doing itself? Here, I'll tell you. The very ending of this movie features Diana flirting with the guy whose body Steve stole. Yeah, I know. That's just way beyond creepy. And the way she's looking at him. Yes! It creeped me out. Yes! It absolutely does. Because you're like, wait a minute. The movie literally told us, like, she was actually seeing Steve when she looked mm -hmm. at this guy. But now she's like, oh, hey, I'm like, no, no, no. You, what, do you, what do you even think you're doing? What do you think you even have the right to do? Mm -hmm. If bars could hold you, you should be behind them. <laughs> <laughs> and to your point, like, we're acting like this guy just gets off scot-free. Nobody cares. Nobody's coming after him for the global events that he has called, been a party to. <laughs> that plane isn't just magically back in the museum. Exactly. And he lost several days of his life. He presumably doesn't remember Steve taking over his body. Yeah. If he did, he would have recognized Diana. Exactly. So how is he so calm about, you know, losing time? Here's a question for you. Did it look like her and Steve used protection? 
I don't know. I didn't want to think about that. Well, I think it's important we do. Because what if she got pregnant? What if she got some STD? I'm thinking more for him. Uh Uh-huh. You know, I don't give a shit about her, honestly, in that regard. Think about him. What if he had unwillingly and forcibly gotten her pregnant? It's Mm -hmm. the dark spinoff of this movie that should be made. Let's face some consequences (laughs) here. We're going to movie court. That's our gonna that's gonna be oh my god. That's that's our new spin-off podcast, guys, called Movie Court, where we litigate shit like this in mock trials. <laughs> if any of you are lawyers, please help us. <laughs> Give us the right words. And just when you think this movie is over, just when you think the rage might subside, we get this stinger scene that I could not fathom linda carter what were you doing here why did you let them do this to you and why the fuck wasn't she in the first movie the reason why she was in this movie was because of the success of the first movie just an abomination what a slap in the face to that poor woman Mm -hmm. and of course we're talking about the original wonder woman here who shows up at the very end god what a slap Right. Not only at the end. So when Diana is telling Steve about the greatest warrior and we get to see her eyes, it is Linda Carter's eyes. Okay. Yeah. Those blue eyes, they're pretty unmistakable. Yeah. I think it's just so demeaning to her, to what she meant as that character back in the day to put her at the end of this pile of garbage. Yeah. This cameo tells us a lot about the mindset of everyone in this movie. It tells us that the success of the previous movie got to their heads, that they were too busy patting themselves on the back to think about what kind of a movie they're making and what are they saying with the movie. Yeah, the egos got so big, the blood flow ceased and brain function was just halted. They thought that they were the best ever and that... The movie was the best thing to ever happen to womanhood. Well, they certainly balanced that out, didn't they? Yes, they did. Which is why we give this movie, out of a possible six, we give this movie one Infinity Stone. Yeah, if it weren't for Gal Gadot in this movie, I would have given it a zero. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to give it a half, but I don't think we can cut them in half. At the TVA, you could. It wouldn't be a problem. Probably. Mm-hmm. And we could get Casey to do it for us. Yeah. I think he would. He's a nice guy. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that wraps it up for Wonder Woman 1984. And my throat hurts. <laughs> could you do me one favor? Could you please go check your blood pressure? I am really worried at the color right now of your face. You are so red. Yeah. See, this is why I have a blue tattoo on my arm because it balances out my usual color spectrum. (laughs) (laughs) So it stands out more. Yeah, I run from tomato to milk. And if you mix it together, that's a very gross combination. I can tell you it is because when I was about four years old, I thought that if I put ketchup in milk and stirred it around, it would be strawberry milk because ketchup was red. And I can tell you... That not only does it not taste like strawberry milk, because the tomato is not a strawberry, but ketchup also does not (laughs) dissolve 
in milk. And the funny part is, I didn't even like strawberries. I don't know why I was trying to make strawberry milk. We have been friends for a fairly decent amount of time. You know, two plus years. You never manage to fail to amaze me. <laughs> I was four. <laughs> and I'm sure very bored. And thank you for letting me know that ketchup does not dissolve in milk. You're very welcome. You won't have to conduct that experiment on your own now. I kind of want to now to actually see. <laughs> All right. So a few housekeeping updates now. So today, everyone, we are launching what we are calling the uh, FAP program. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a FAP. Yeah, I would like to say, though, uh, I came up with this acronym <laughs> before I knew what it meant. Mm -hmm. Yes, I don't know how I, I've lived with a man who has the, uh, the maturity level of a 10-year-old uh, for 12 years, and I've never heard this expression. Well, now you know. Thanks to me. Yes, so, <laughs> so our FAP is the Podcaster's Heart Attack Prevention Program. Yes, P-H-A-P. Yeah, so this morning, Twitter decided to have an aneurysm and scare the living <laughs> shit out of me, making me think yeah. we'd lost all of our Twitter followers. Yeah, and for those of you who are active on Twitter, I'm sure you guys must have had some issues too with followers just disappearing yeah yeah so amy can see everything just fine but i can't so i'm sweating and it's a widespread <laughs> issue apparently it's going to be just fine nonetheless this was kind of kicking the pants is what we are telling ourselves yes yes what i must tell myself nonetheless uh this was quite a kick in the pants for us to start the email list that we have been saying we were going to start for the last i don't know Two years. Yeah. So social media being what it is, and it can just disappear tomorrow. Yeah. If you guys want to stay in touch with us. So join our email list and stay in touch, please. We'll miss you. Yeah, that way, if Elon Musk or fucking Zuckerberg destroys everything or some idiot hacks something and we lose everything on Twitter, we don't lose you guys and you don't lose us. <laughs> please just... So I don't have another heart attack. Please. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Hence the FAP. Please FAP. Yes. The link is in the show notes, everybody. <laughs> so just go there, enter your email address, and we won't lose each other. Yeah. Let's not FAP alone. That's enough. You're having too much fun with this. <laughs> I am. I love it. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Thank you, everyone who has contributed to the GoFundMe campaign I created for my upcoming presentation in November at the National Women's Studies Association Annual Conference. I am giving a talk on representation of women in comic book films, and I'm using the uh, live action Spideyverse as a kind of microcosm to show the progress. So me and uh, Iron Spidey Funko were headed out there in November, and I do need some help with the travel expenses. So Whatever you guys can donate, or if you can just share the campaign on your social media, it's greatly appreciated. Yes, indeed. This was a long-winded way of her saying she's going to shit on the Raimi trilogy. Yes, my dogs are going to keep me locked and loaded. Can you go to jail for transporting poop? I think that depends on how one is transporting the poop. 
Good to know. Honestly, there might be some agricultural laws in there. <laughs> Fertilizers and all yeah, that shit. Manure. So yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, if it's stolen, if it's stolen fertilizer, if it's just me with, with poop and my carry on, I don't think people would appreciate that, but I don't think I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> so over on our Patreon feed, we've got bonus episodes up there for you for this month. We've got our favorite movies episode. That's for all levels. And at the $10 level on Patreon is your monthly Tea with the Madams episode. Yes, indeed. So grab a cup of tea and be ready for some laughs. Yeah, because we have much to say about uh, the DC-verse and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Affleck. And we're also gearing up for next month's episode, which is going to feature a discussion of Fidel Castro. If you want to know why, head over to our Patreon now. Join up. Links in the show notes. And we also have something special for our $5 patrons. Yes. At that level, moving forward, every month, we will have an episode called The Gump Files, related to our theme for that month. And these episodes are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Thanks so much for joining us at the movies today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Let us know what you think about Wonder Woman 84 on Twitter and Instagram at The Madam's Pod. And follow us there to get your hint for next week's episode in which we will be headed back to school. And visit our website, themadamspod.com, where Infinity Stones will always be a girl's best friend. Do you have uh, motion sickness while flying? You Usually I just have problems on takeoff and landing. That's my favorite part. You are so weird. How is that your favorite part? That's what everybody dreads. I don't know. The actual flight is boring. You're just sitting in one place with no movement. No, it's definitely not boring because I have to distract myself from the knowledge that I am thousands and thousands of feet up in the air. And I don't understand how. Yeah, but it's not like understanding or not understanding is going to save you from crashing. Okay. You know what? Stop. Stop. <laughs>